0: I'm already on. Well, I'm glad I didn't go to the bathroom. (laughs) I did that once, by the way. I was in a Presbyterian church. And uh, I was in the before, maybe during the singing or something. And somebody rushes into me and says, you're on. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I didn't say anything bad, by the way. Okay, let's hit the music. This is my oldest son with a ditty that he had recorded 20 years ago or so. And can you, if you can get it, if we, if we can't, that's all right. I have lots of words. <laughs> okay. That's okay if you can't.
1: Answer from a superficial mind. Sugar coated Jesus ain't that neat. You know, being a Christian never tasted so sweet. A man came up, said, can you help me, brother Jeff? Uh, my wife just left me, and my life is a mess. My uh, kids don't love me, I don't love them. Uh, I've fallen in a pit of perpetual sin. I said, uh, give me some counsel, some advice, if you would. I said, uh, don't worry, all things work together for good. Uh, I got a sugar-coated Jesus and his sickest sweet. Uh, a chocolate-covered halo, candy-coated feet. Uh, if you give me a problem, I can give you a line. Uh, a superficial answer from a superficial man. Sugar uh, Sugar-coated Jesus ain't that neat, uh, you know, being a Christian never tasted so sweet. Uh, I got a picture of Jesus hanging in my room, uh, I only listen to contemporary Christian tunes. Uh, Footprint poster hanging on my door, uh, a honk, if you love Jesus bumper sticker on my photo. When I read my Bible, if I read it at all, uh, i read a verse from the Psalms, maybe a letter from Paul. Uh, I don't care for the Gospels or James too much, uh, that discipleship stuff is way too rough. Uh, Saved by grace is my claim to fame. You uh, just tack on Jesus and remain the same. uh, I got a sugar-coated Jesus and his sticky sweet. uh, A chocolate-covered halo, candy-coated feet. uh, If you give me a problem, I can give you a line. superficial answer from a superficial mind. Uh, Sugar-coated Jesus ain't that neat. uh, Sugar-coated Jesus tastes so sweet. uh, Sugar-coated Jesus ain't that neat. uh, You know, uh, being a Christian never tasted so
0: sweet. I want to talk about the uh, double-minded man today, or the stiff-necked person. I once was in a um, in a um, revival for five or six weeks, maybe, maybe a little longer. Every night we were together, every night. I was a young man, tw- probably 25, 26, something like that. And uh, this was a lady, we, c- we called her Sister Parish, And Sister Parrish uh, was a former Baptist but got filled with the Holy Spirit. So S- Sister Parrish did n- almost nothing but pray and seek God's face. And so when she'd come in, she would, full of the spirit, and she would march up and down the aisle and just be spitting all over you (laughs) because she was just telling you how it is. And, of course, with me, 25, I was saved. I was saved since I was 14, 70, what? Almost, what, 60-some years ago. But... uh, I would hide behind the post. It was an older <laughs> church. It was Assembly of God Church in in Auburn, and so there's always post. And so when Sister Perry should come by, <laughs> I'd go like that, because she knew if you were a sinner or not, and I knew she would know me. <laughs> She'd understand who I am. So anyhow, one day she caught me going out the door as everybody was going and she was thanking them for being there and so forth. And so she got a hold of me and she said, Cliff, Cliff, yeah. uh, you are stiff-knit. You should be saying this, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. <laughs> Excuse me on that one. But <laughs> and uh, she was right. In the sense, I was a double-minded man. I intended to teach for security reasons. I uh, thought I'd teach a couple years and then do something really important. But God made it, so I kept getting fellowships and scholarships, and so I went on and on and needed to pay back as far as their alliance, the district's alliance to me, to promote me that way. So I stayed, and I always prayed, God, release me from teaching (laughs) <laughs> I was a junior high teacher most of the years and uh, and I was considered uh, when I was very young, I was a teacher of the year, and when I was very old, and ready to retire, the assistant soup called me in and said, "Cliff, you're one of the three finalists, but you're retiring, so we're not going to consider you." So I wanted to do that, but I basically when I started out, I was basically had my life... Planned under security with a little white house with a white picket fence and there I would be happy there ever forever after. But Sister Parrish got a hold of me and others, of course, God did too. And for all these years we've been serving God diligently with fervor. 've been given, we gave God our whole life every little thing, every little uh, coat or shirt or whatever I started at the high wages of4 thousand seven hundred dollars a year. So everything we prayed our way through, we prayed our way through our life and I'm going to talk about the double-minded man but you know you need to commit when you're very, Things aren't going so well. The young man, or now he's an old man, Jeff, that sang that song, he was born, and, and he had uh, trouble immediately. And he was having seizures after seizures. And in those days, they kept your wife and the baby all separate, everything. And my wife hadn't seen the baby And maybe she touched the baby once, I'm not sure. But in comes a doctor from the University of Washington. And she says, uh, she implies, first of all, she says, we're taking your son. You're taking our son? We haven't even held him. We're taking your son. He's had many seizures. And she implied very strongly, maybe she stated it. this is a long time ago, that your son will never be normal. Your son will never be normal again. So we don't want you to expect that. And so then we went to the hospital, and here he has all these tubes in him, in the preemie. He wasn't a preemie, but he had all these tubes in him. And we watched him there, and we prayed for him. And this young man, this young baby, he wasn't thriving Otherwise, he was dying. He was losing weight and losing weight. And we said to them, Well, if he's not thriving here with all those tubes and everything, can we take him home? And so we did take him home. And he would scream and yell and shake. I have neuropathy now, I shake a lot, but he would shake and scream. And he always went through this procedure. And the Lord said, I want you to stroke him. And so when I'd have him, I'd stroke him from down all his limbs over and over. And, of course, pray for him. And so he was that way. And my wife would wake up and and go see about him, and so forth, but about every two hours, he would not cry, he'd scream, so, one day, the neighbor in back of us, which was uh, a similar God pastor's wife, and we went to her, his, that church, and she said, we're going to pray this baby well, (laughs) and so they prayed, and uh, we prayed, and Maybe the next night or that night or whatever. The baby didn't wake up in two hours and scream. And my wife jumped out of the bed and she said, he's dead, he's dead. So she went to the crib and there he was sleeping. There he was sleeping. During this time, I was like Hannah. When I first heard the news, I went to the bedroom where we had prepared for him, and I lay down, and I presented Jeff back to God. He is yours. He is yours. You take him. He is yours. So we dedicated him to God, and he became a minister. And by the way, because of my position in the district, I had exposure to all the IQs of the fourth graders. And his IQ was the highest out of all the IQs. God blessed him. God encouraged him. I didn't intend to tell you this, but all of this, but this is a new dec- decade coming. And this is a new year coming. And I want you not to be a double-minded person. My wife here had a mental breakdown, and then she had a stroke. And I taught her, because I I was a reading teacher too, I taught her how to read better. And her level of reading was really low, something like third, fourth grade. And she's a college graduate. So it was really low, and it was very frustrating. The things she had to do physically were frustrating to her. And she'd come out of the therapy, physical therapy, angry. Because I can't do this, and they want me to do this, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, God healed. And pretty soon, this lady, this lady who had a stroke, was Evaluating had a business, evaluating writing programs all over the, uh, uh, the, the, the state, excuse me, and then in Texas you had some, somebody, somebody. but all of these districts she had, and it was her own business. And she presented uh, the writing program and, and what she had and the evaluations to, to uh, two 300 teachers sometimes. And at the end, they would stand up and give her a standing ovation. A lady that couldn't even read at a normal uh, 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 level. Mills, I want you to know that some of you might run into trouble, but God is there. God is always there. We now, I've written over a million words on a blog and presented it to the world. We don't have very many that read it because who would wanna read a a non theologians work? But we do, every day I go out and I sit and for an hour and a half or more, I read the Bible and write. So I have millions of words (laughs) on different tablets that the kids can throw away when I get demise, when I'm dead. But anyhow, God is good. But I want to talk about this, and I'll do this in very, probably short. I've already abridged what I was going to say. But I want you to put up the scriptures here. Because what I've found out, as I've been reading the Word, that God is dealing with unstable human beings with stiff-nicked human beings. You and I, not someone else. And he's dealing with those who could not fulfill a covenant, could not make a covenant work, or let's say a treaty, if you don't understand a covenant. And that on one side of this covenant was God. God was always there, holy, perfect, righteous, always there always with love for those he made, those who are in his image, man and woman. And on that side, God is giving all in his covenant, his dedication to man. On the other side, we have man or woman and saying again and again, I will do it. I will do it. But God knows you are a breaker of a covenant. All you need is maybe a mental breakdown or a stroke or a divorce or something that was bad and contrary to a good life. And you will start to break that covenant, that relationship, that that dependence on God. Remember, When Abraham was making a covenant with God, or God was making a covenant with Abraham, Abraham was put in a deep sleep, a deep sleep. There are different interpretations for that. But my interpretation of that is that God on this side was making a covenant with men. Abraham would try to believe God's word. He would try to believe God's word the best he could. But he was in a deep sleep because he would be starting to think about his knowledge and where he is and what he is rather than the relationship that he has with God and the dedication God has to him. And so he was in a deep sleep. And God counted his faithfulness As being righteous. And so when he said that I will believe your word, Abraham did, rather than what I see, God made that as righteousness for him. But he was a double-minded man, wasn't he? Randy, would you like to be Abraham? Amen. He can raise his hand. Cassie, punch him. (laughs) Abraham gave his wife away twice. (laughs) See, Randy, be careful about what he says. and doesn't say, okay. Anyhow, the dedication that Abraham had to him was so strong to God, even though he was a double-minded man, he was willing to give away Isaac back to God. And that counted to him as righteousness. God considered him righteous. Okay, let's put up the scriptures here. And you do have them so nicely. So let's read this. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. See, that's a covenant, isn't it? That's a covenant. And before all of this, and it's true in your lives, by the way, Joshua gets up and says, look at all the good things that God has done. Look at all the good things God has done. Remember this. And so he says, look at these good things that, that God has done for you. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. And now he says, but it's for me and my family we will serve the Lord. But if you're not going to serve God, if you're not going to serve God, then go serve those other gods. My my own dad said that sometimes Christians aren't happy with God. They don't have the joy. They don't have they don't bubble over. One thing about I have, when I go to the men's group, I'm so passionate, the poor guys have to s- sit back a little bit. But, but they aren't passionate. And, and, and they don't have joy sometimes, Christians. And my own dad said, why don't they go out and really sin? Go out and sin or serve the Amorites. Go out and do something really bad. So you know that when you have salvation in your soul when joy has come to you because of the Christ who redeemed you as an unredeemable, you will be happy and you'll come to church and they won't be able to keep you quiet because you're happy in who God is and who you aren't. And that is so beautiful. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Of course you know our heart. For the Lord, our God, is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery. We understand that in the land of Egypt, he performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness, among our enemies, he preserved us. He was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we, too, will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. Isn't that a great statement? Got to pound that one down. But you know what Joshua says? I don't have it here. I should. It, it, It will make your eyes cross. He says you won't be able to do it. Why? Because God is holy and a jealous God. I, read, I finished a little book last night, written around 1900, I don't know, a few years before or a few years after. It's a very neat book, and it's very Christian-oriented. It is a Christian-oriented book. Tells about how you should live, what you should do, how good you should treat your family, how good you should be as a citizen and all wonderful things. And you'd go through there and say, Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. This is true. This is true. And he's a wonderful man. And I'm sure that little book probably sold in the thousands. But I turned to the last page, and he said something like this because your life will be so dedicated to the Lord and you've done all these wonderful things and you'll be the great parent and the great friend and all of this, you can present it to God. And God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, that's nice. That's nice. That's what these people said. <laughs> hey, hey, so we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. You can... Test us, God. You can trust us, God. I will bring Cliff Bursch's, all of the wonderful things he has done. He likes to bless people at Starbucks. He tells people that there are lights and that you should uh, realize, my friends, these are workers, that you are a light there, that you provide something that people need. And even in your worst days, I'll tell him. You need to come here and show God to people. Okay. They usually hug me on that one. They usually hug me on that one. Oh, I'll tell God all the good things that I have done. I'll tell him what a wonderful husband I was. I won't let my wife speak. But (laughs) what a wonderful husband I was. I'll tell him what a great teacher I was. And how I heard him and his in the mornings and, and all of this. But you know what? Joshua said, you won't be able to complete that story. You won't be able to say that story because God is a holy and righteous God that is eternal. And he's not going to bring in a midget, excuse me, a a little bit of smidgen, I should say, a little bit of sin, a little bit of something contrary to God. That will not exist in eternity. That will not exist. You can't imagine eternity. None of us can. But that will not exist. Sin will not exist. For God is a holy and a righteous God, and a jealous God. He will not let any other allegiance in your eyes or in your life come between him and God. Well, where are you then? You are in the Christmas season. There was a Savior need. And isn't it neat that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Now we have God the Father on this side. Abraham deep in sleep and trying to be what God wants, knowing there is a Creator. But now we push Abraham off and we put the Son of of man there in that covenant. And so now we have two talking to each other. We have God the Father and we have the Son of Man. Both of them perfect. No sin in them. No rebellion in them. The Son of Man has taken the place of man and woman. The Son of Man in his righteousness has taken the place. So now the covenant is fulfilled between man and God. And the eternity that you will experience is only because of the blood of God of Jesus, and the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Not your words I will do. It's Christ's words. For Randy, Kathy, Cliff, Dan, Jeff. Christ's words. And God honors Christ and His words. And so you have salvation You have that which you had no hope of having, because you are a stiff necked people. You are double minded people. And in the next decade and in the next year, if you run into deep trouble, you will say, Oh God, where art thou? Where are you? Where are you? Do something. But your trust is not in yours, even in your doubt. Your trust is in the Son of Man, what He has done. This is the salvation plan. And unless you get that through your mind, you will never have joy. It is so difficult. I've taught a lot. My wife and I have taught a lot of Sunday school classes. And when you start telling the good little old lady, 80 years old, that doesn't even know what sin is and can't even picture sin, and you tell her that she's full of sin, you can feel that spirit come back to you. It just blows your hair. Don't tell me who I am. But the Bible has told you who you are. Jesus has told you who you are. Jesus enumerates a number of things that of who you are, but when he's talking about it, it's not that what goes into your mouth, but it's what's come out. And I often thought, oh, yeah, Cliff, uh, there might be one or two. I, maybe envy is in there. That's probably some of me, probably envy. It might be hard to find envy, but it might be there or whatever. Well, you know, we pick out the best ones. We don't pick out the murderer, the killer. Billions of humans, have been killed by other humans. Billions. Cain, where is your brother? His blood is crying out to me. His blood. That is our nature, Cain. That's how we solve problems. And if you don't think so, just let somebody talk to you about something that you don't agree with. And you can see bitterness and anger. In the cartoons, they bring it up in a red face. They show it going up. But it's in you. It's not in somebody else's. It's not in that person. It's in you. Well, therefore, who is your righteousness? Therefore, who do you depend upon? Therefore, who answers your questions about life? Who is your companion? It is Christ. And when you know who you are and you know who Christ is, it brings joy. And when you know that your spirit, your soul, has been washed with the blood of the Lamb, He paid the penalty for what? For you, what you deserve. See, you can't be with sin or any kind of. of of imperfection and enter into eternity. Don't believe that you can experience eternity with God and have any negative thoughts. If you you do believe that, you're quite an arrogant person and you need to investigate who you really are. God is perfect. He's asking for perfection and he wants a holy nation And that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, the beautiful thing is he's healed you. The beautiful thing, God knows you, but he's healed you by the blood of the Lamb. And to know that, how do you know that? You know that because the Holy Spirit has come to be in residence with you. He has come to abide in you. The Holy Spirit isn't going to abide in that which isn't perfect, that which is not a temple. Remember, it goes in the Old Testament, talks about the temple and all the things of regulation. They couldn't build the temple and say, okay, it's three cubits and whatever, and a, for us, a, a quarter of an inch long. No, that's imperfection. We don't build a temple and estimate, no matter if it's an eighth of an inch long or whatever. It has to be perfect. For God dwells where? In perfection. In perfection. Now, you know, everybody here, you've been here and listening to wonderful ministry of Dan. You know you are that temple. You are that temple. Oh, you say, well, I can have a little bit of selfishness in the temple. You just extend a little bit of it here or there. I can have a little bit of bitterness. I can, you just extend it. I can have a little bit of less love than I ought to have. You just, you just extend it. No, the temple has to be perfect. And when the temple was perfect, they eat, gate it opened and blew in the spirit, and the people ran out. Because the Spirit is holy. The Spirit is righteous. The Spirit is so righteous, it represents a jealous God. And because of that, we who are in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ where? Not out here. Not in the great preacher. Not in those people over there. Not in the good people. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And that righteousness that you have because of the blood, the blood had to clean your temple. The Holy Spirit comes quickly to abide. And he comes to every nation, every people, every language. Aren't you privileged to have language? I once thought about that. Language. Because I question God a lot. If you would look at I'd question, I don't understand this. God, what's wrong with this and why is that? And I'll read the Bible and the Lord will answer it. And I'll write it down. And it'll bring tears to my eyes. That which I don't understand. That's which you don't understand. I'm here. See, God talks to you. Most of you don't know that. Or there's some of you or a minor group of you. You don't know that Jesus Christ has come to interact with you. Even Cain interacted with God. All the way through the scriptures, there's an interaction with God. And when I was a young man, I thought, well, God should talk to me. But you've got to come across with that beautiful voice, deeper, more holy more righteous than I am. But see, that's not what God did. He gave you language so you could, what? Interact. These words, he could make you dumb the day in the sense of not able to speak. He still would speak with you. My wife was saying when she was, uh, they were taking her to the hospital. And what did you say about when they were asking you all these questions?
2: Can
3: But was there another
0: language now? God is there she couldn't know how to speak she couldn't say the word. she couldn't interpret the the words in the sense that she could talk back but God was there see God was telling her I'm with you you know every one of you my children God is saying my children my children Hear my voice. Know that I am real, and I'm real in you. You are not alone on this little planet with billions of galaxies and billions of stars within them. You are not alone. I am with you. That's the voice you need to hear. That's the voice you need to know. That's the voice you need to understand. And you will never stop praising God. Jackie, my wife here, she hears me do what all the time? Sing. Sing. I'm not, I wouldn't even sing with a family when we're in that van and they would all be singing and Mom would be singing along with the five kids, and they all loved to sing. But I was too intimidated and not good enough singers to sing with that group. But Jackie hears me all the time, day and night, every day. And if you walk in my home without without us expecting you, you will hear this male voice someplace. Singing about God. Singing the glory of God. I used to, you know, it's a, it's a very natural thing. It doesn't say, well, now, see, I don't have a memory. <laughs> Maybe that's why my, we're going where we're we going right now. <laughs> but I don't have a memory. God blessed me with no memory. I don't know the scriptures I'll go to the men's group. Carl and Gary are here and their' sweethearts. They know more about me than they should. But anyhow, they will, you know, they'll listen to me and so forth and, and uh, I will tell them wonderful things, amazing, to be truth. Sister Perry used to go stomping around. Don't praise God full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's the first time I heard that. What do you mean you're talking? How can that be the first time? No, because the spirit is real. The spirit is real. And I used to think, well, I start singing and it's just natural. I don't even say, well, I now should say, no, it just goes, blah. I used to think, well, why don't you listen to those words? You're singing and then glory to God or something. And then I started listening, and I said, oh, that's the Spirit singing. <laughs> that's the Spirit singing. He's helping me as he's singing through my lips his words of glory to God, glory to the one. I got interested in that. So every once in a while, I'll just stop and say, well, say, what what?" What songs are, what, what phrase is this? Whatever. I think you under, you've got to understand as you move in the next decade and the next year, and by the way, Joshua says this later on, when you get into real trouble and real struggles, and when you don't know the next step to take, You need to place your ear close to the Spirit and say, Lord, you know I'm confused. You know I don't know. Help me. And I believe the Spirit is so real that the Spirit will come to you and make you alive. The solution might not be there, Maybe won't, but he'll make you alive and you'll understand there is a God who lives and who lives in me. And I praise him for that because I'm a choice servant. You're a choice servant. You haven't been just somebody on the street. I used to tell my own kid, you're not somebody on the street. You're a bursh. You're a choice, servant of God. I'm going to skip way back to where I was going. I don't know when we're supposed to land, Dan. How land? How much? Okay.
3: My wife would
0: just say, honey, land on the right airport. <laughs> but anyhow, I want to read the first part of Hebrews to you. This is Hebrews twelve one three, and this is who you are. Even though you might be double-minded, which we pretty much all are, you'll go out, get in your cars, you see the mechanical world, and you'll say, "Is there odd? They seem to be doing okay. The world seems to be okay in their lives." Hebrews 12:1-3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in this new year or next That easily entangles us because we get involved with the idols of this world. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for you. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Abraham needed the perfecter. He wouldn't have given away his wife twice if he (laughs) didn't. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And rather than listening to God, you start listening to your consciousness, your experience. Experiences here and not to God. God is forever. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to play another song. And by the way, if you don't have Dan's latest CD, Shame on You, shame, shame, and more shame, he does not elevate himself before you. And his Well, I'll just stop there. But this is, this song brings me to tears and sobbing because this is our life, Jacqueline and mine. I could tell you many miracles that happen in our lives, the probabilities way beyond what anyone could expect, but I will not. But I will tell you, this is our song. And I want you to bow your heads and listen to this four-minute song that Dan wrote.
2: No. joy to know you, Lord. A song in my heart adores you, Lord. It's for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Lord. And I seek you. And I long for your embrace a desperation to hear my share
0: God. The cello is uh, my oldest son, Jeff, playing. You are living stones, you're a spiritual temple, you are high priest, you are God's very own. So go out and show God's goodness to the world, Amen. amen.